0: not only the power to heal but also the power to to be resilient to life we can ultimately handle any of life's challenges if we're able to pause and breathe first and so the key is when life's challenges come at you the bigger that they are the bigger the breath we have to have the ability to take your lung can expand three four times their their current capacity and that capacity has a direct correlation to your capacity for life
1: hello welcome back today i'm sitting down with brady brady is a trauma-informed clinical breath worker body worker yoga teacher craniosacral therapist and integrated nutrition coach today we're talking all about finding bliss with your breath as brady is extremely passionate about helping people feel bliss and at home in their bodies enjoy today's episode Hello, Brady. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. How are you doing today? So well.
0: Yeah, like having a really blissful morning. Yeah, Yeah. super excited to be here and thanks for
1: having me. You're so welcome. I'm so, I just thank you for coming on. I'm really excited for everything that we're going to touch on today. So, Let's launch in. Do you want to share a little bit about who you are and maybe just sort of the core of what you do and do that little, the little foreplay we need to do to get everyone warmed up?
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about the human experience and really what I do is I provide luxury for the soul and that is found within the human experience within the, the body um, for me, I started in uh, my journey on in you know, a dysfunctional family. I think a lot of people can, can relate to that in some way, shape or form. And I left home really early and tried to find a sense of home and I traveled the world looking for it. I went to places like Australia, and New Zealand, and Bali. And yeah, it, it wasn't out there. It wasn't out there somewhere. It was, it was here. It was, I'm pointing to my heart. It was here in my body. And through my yogic practices, I was able to cultivate the state of, of feeling at home in my body. And that felt like a really blissful experience. The first time I I really came home to my body, I was laughing and crying. I was just feeling all of the, the emotions all at the same time. Um, and it really just felt like bliss, this, this word bliss, um, that I like to use because I, I don't have any other way to describe it. And once I felt that I was like, this is gold how do i bottle this up and and share this with the world and so i dedicated the rest of my life to to experiencing bliss and and finding bliss and, and creating bliss and um, one of the the ways that i originally had found it was through my yogic practice so i became a yoga teacher i started teaching yoga all over the world and and eventually started to realize that there's this really important piece that controls every other system of our brain and our body and it's our breath our nervous system and so our nervous system is intimately connected to our breath and i realized that when you can start to tap into this piece you actually change the way that you think change the way that you feel and you change the way that you behave in life and so i studied breath work and the nervous system pretty intensely and i ended up studying with a guru and and lived with him and um had a, a a whole lot of blissful experiences in Bali with him. And uh, he is a, a great yogi, but he's also grounded in you know, Western neuroscience. And I, I really liked that. I was really drawn to that. I had quite a Western mind growing up here in Canada. And eventually I took his teachings back here to Canada and, and set up a, a breathwork clinic. And so using breathwork as actual medicine to repattern are subconscious. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're breathing 20,000 times per day. And every single one of those breaths sends a signal to your brain, to your nervous system to relay information. And so based upon the way that you're breathing, you're sending particular signals up to your brain, to your nervous system. And You know, right now, if I ask you to change your breath or your listeners to change their breath, they can certainly do that. You know, if I ask you to breathe in through your nose and breathe slow down into the belly, that's super accessible. And that'll actually change the way that you feel and change the way that you think and the way that you actually behave. But what's not fair of me is to ask you to do that 20,000 times per day. It's, it's, It's just not possible and certainly not when you're sleeping. And so what I do is I tap into the way that you're breathing on a subconscious level. And then we actually take people through the system of neuroplasticity to repattern their subconscious breath. And this is being reinforced, this new pattern of feeling and thinking and behaving on a subconscious level. And this is trauma-informed clinical breath work or nervous system repatterning. And that's that's what I teach.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay that just spawned 700 new questions. I, first of all, just thank you for sharing. I love hearing that. That is the journey of the true seeker, right? Like I'm going to find bliss. I'm going to find, you know, my happiness, my healing. Let's go out and try all the things and learned a lot. I'm sure, right. Learned so much that you got to now bring back home, but ultimately realizing it starts in you, in your body, in your mind, in your energy. And that's just so powerful because I found that's been in my journey too, where it's like back into me, but then that spawns, okay, well, why then do I react this way? Why do I keep attracting the same patterns? Why can't I move past the mom wound or the thing that happened when I was young? And so then it does lead you to kind of go out again, not looking for answers, but more like, you you've, you found breath work and you found the way that that impacts the brain and then bringing that back home, it's just such a powerful journey. and I love that you combine the neuroscience with the energetic piece. Um, so yay, I'm really glad you exist and that we get to have this conversation. And for all the people that you're helping, it's so beautiful. So what was some of the first things you started noticing in your own life when you really were taking on breath work as a practice and were introduced to that?
0: yeah thank you and and so you know i use this word of bliss to describe a a particular state and i think the word bliss itself has this like really incredible existential big experience and more often than not when i work with people you know and i ask them you know how do you want to feel because ultimately we get to decide how we want to feel So long as we're able to clear, get really, really still within the mind and clear within the body, we get to decide how we want to feel. And more often than not, the way that people want to feel is grounded. They want to feel calm. And they want to feel energized. And this isn't like something really big and extraordinary. It's like they want to feel human. And really, if we if we tap into to what's happening in our human body right now, if we look around at the world, and we feel our own hands, and we make eye contact with another human, and we take a deep nourishing breath, it's like, oh, bliss is right here. It's been here all along, and it, it's never outside of ourselves, but it's it's in this human experience. I really like to quote Ram Dass. He's a, a great teacher of mine. Um. I never actually met him myself, but podcasts are a great resource. And uh, Ramdas when he talked to his spiritual teacher, he asked him, he said, you know, how do I get enlightened? And, and his response was, well, Ram Dass, you're in school, why don't you try taking the curriculum? He says, you're so busy trying to be holy, why don't you try being human? <laughs> and it just changed the whole direction and course of his life. And so now he says, I, I haven't changed it much. He's like over the years, my neuroses haven't haven't gone away, but I've just invited them in. He says, when I see them happening, you know, I see my humanness. I just say, yo, come on in, join me for a cup of tea. And, and he says, here's the neurosis here, here's here's this happening there. And it's just is really just a human experience. And the more that we can tap into that humanness, you know, that grounded and calm feeling, um, the more that we realize we've won. We're here you've won the lottery you're in this life and and bliss is available in every moment now with that there's there are things that stop us from experiencing humanness right we talk about like past lived experiences traumatic events and those are things that are unprocessed right so maybe it's physical mental emotional um all of these these pieces that are are Body or nervous system as an organism wants to overcome, wants to to feel like it is safe, um, and if if we haven't yet processed those experiences, then we'll actually get hung up on the past as opposed to being able to be present in this this really ooey gooey humanness. But our attention gets trapped, and it gets trapped mentally in the past, but physically we can actually see how that translates into the nervous system. An example of that might be um, a heartbreak is, is an emotional traumatic event. And we actually see physically in the body, you can which, witness this as, as a breath worker, when people lie down on the table and they've experienced this, you'll see their shoulders roll forward and they'll actually protect the heart, which is a really you know intelligent mechanism to protect that that space that is so tender, the heart. But as a result of that, now that they've stopped breathing into the chest, they've stopped breathing into the heart. Which you know, obviously that changes the blood flow. We're not stimulating the same neurochemistry. So things like oxytocin, that's produced in the heart, um, it's it's not actually being activated. And so as that pattern gets reinforced twenty thousand times per day, which is how many times you're breathing, you know. That has a, a real psychological effect on, on the way that you, you think, feel, and behave in life. And so repatterning that can start to open up the chest, you know, pull back the shoulders and feel safe to breathe back into the heart. Feel safe to breathe love back into your life. And that is a really blissful experience.
1: That is just so beautiful. I love the way that you teach because you are totally combining the physical with the energetic, as you were saying. And that is, that's just so powerful. I witness in myself and this you know, you're just kind of like illuminating little things in my mind here already that I notice in myself sometimes, especially when I have a day where I'm like momming. So I'm just in constant like go mode. And I, all of a sudden I'll be doing the dishes or doing something. And I realize that I'm using like, what feels like 5% of my breath capacity. Like it's very, very shallow. And I kind of take a minute take a deep breath into my lungs, take a deep breath into my, my belly, like open everything up. And I am witness to the contrast of how for the last few hours, since I really checked in, I've been breathing such a tiny amount. And exactly like you said, your shoulders rolling forward and kind of hunching in. I feel like that was my posture forever since I experienced trauma when I was young. And mine was like bullying and not good enough. And, you know, friends all turning against me and a lot of things in a time in life when I was growing that made me feel very small. And so for anyone if, if you were seeing me, I'm kind of hunching in and hunching over. And that's my posture. Even, you know, my chiropractor or body workers are like, okay, open up those shoulders, you know, stand tall. And it was like a posture problem. And now as I go on, I realize that it's not just a posture problem. It's like, I'm not like you were saying, expanding your heart and really breathing into it. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to say is a few years ago, and you can correct me if this is wrong or inaccurate, but I remember learning that, When you take a deep breath, it it signals to your nervous system and your brain that you are safe. And when you're not safe, you're not breathing deep. If someone's breaking into your house or you're being chased by a lion back in the day, your breath, you'd not be focused on like, okay, deep breaths to the bottom of your belly. You're literally just running for your life, fight or flight. So when we're doing that all day, every day, our nervous system and our brain isn't getting that full message of like, you are safe to relax. Is that accurate? Because when that hit me, I was like, Holy man, it was a whole nother reason of why we should, you know, deep breaths or or breath work. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, thank you. And and I want to just deeply honor that part of you that's a mom and, and also has the awareness around your breath and, and your body positioning. And you're you're bang on. It's so when we talk about a deep breath, we literally mean deep. And so the the bottom diaphragm that just below your rib cage on a full breath will drop down towards the hips. It'll massage all of these really vital organs, your liver, gallbladder, spleen, kidneys, adrenals. So they're all getting activated. It can actually press through that, press down through the pelvic floor. So you're also massaging your digestive tract, so your intestines, so it helps aid digestion. On a full breath, you can press even further down through to the perineum and you can actually feel your perineum drop down. Now your lungs aren't actually dropping that far, but you're, the rest of your body is, is dropping down to make space for the lungs to take a literal deeper breath. And, and so when we think about that, you're actually stimulating all of these really vital organs. You're starting to simulate blood flow to things like digestion. You're actually activating this cluster of neurons that sits in front of your coccygeal spine and it, it simulates non-pain. So, mm-hmm. so literally it simulates to nervous system safety. Right. And so you're exactly right about that is taking that deeper breath. And I think I what I really want to be clear about is it literally means deeper, not quicker, faster, not like this, you know, that, that's not necessarily a deep breath, but really imagine pressing down all the way through the perineum is deep. And that is the signal that's going to help us feel safe. And so we might have the ability to do that right now, or we might not, we might truly not feel safe, you know, we might have our, our sphincter clenched, and, and for anyone listening, right, now yeah, who has their sphincter clenched, just an opportunity to just let that go for a moment and see how that changes the way that you think and you feel and you behave, and then an opportunity to repattern that, right, so that pattern is not being reinforced, that pattern of not feeling safe is not being reinforced 20,000 times per day. Right now, now that takes a little bit of work. We talk about neuroplasticity, the the repatterning of the nervous system, and that's something that you know you can work on with a, a breath, a good breathwork facilitator. Not, not all of them, a good breathwork facilitator, um, to to repattern the way that you're actually breathing. Um. Yeah. Does Does that make sense? Are you following me so far? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I wanted to speak to as as you were talking about the hunch over with the shoulders is like, we know that that happens during a heartbreak, right? Um, Or or some other kind of traumatic event could make that happen. But one of the other important things to pay attention to is we actually use technology all the time that is putting us in these contracted states, right? So right now, if we're on the, the, the screen, or if we're on our phones, we might see that that's rolling our shoulders forward, stopping our breath from activating that heart space. And a lot of life today is putting us in these contracted states. So what can be really useful instead of reinforcing that pattern within your breath is to to open up and expand yourself. Something like hanging can be really good. Just hanging from a bar starts to really open up through the ribs and through the spine and and open up through the heart and it actually simulates this you know it gives this this biofeedback to the brain that we're simulating instead of this kind of hunched over position with its you know a dog with its tail between its legs that kind of simulates like shame you know biologically that, that's that's what it would it would send to your brain the opposite of that we can actually practice winning And we know this. We know that by making ourselves big for even two minutes, standing in, you know, Amy Cuddy does great work on on things like power posture. um, And two minutes of power posture increases your testosterone by something like 20%, which is your power hormone. And it drops cortisol by about 20%, which is your stress hormone. So just two minutes in this expanded state, you know, you're going to be breathing expandedly. You're going to be simulating this, this this feeling of winning when people cross the finish line in, in marathons, they always throw their hands up. They make themselves big. Even blind people do this, which is really, really fascinating because they don't actually see what's happening, but they know primarily to make themselves really big.
1: Mm.
0: The opposite is also true. When you make yourself contracted, your cortisol goes up by 20%. So stress goes up by 20% and your testosterone goes down. So your power hormone goes down. So an opportunity to, to use your environment and, and your body to, to change the way that you're thinking, feeling, and behaving, because we're always being informed by our environment. We call it embodied cognition. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in like school, we think that we're learning what the teacher is saying, but really the way that our nervous system learns is, is through our environment. So sitting at the desk, sitting in that posture is, is teaching you a certain, behavior. It's teaching you a lot about life. When you're out at recess, when you're inv- interacting with your environment and other people and kids, like that informs who we are much to a much greater degree than, than what the textbooks are teaching us.
1: Mm, wow. That is really, really powerful. And I can feel that even just by looking at like when we feel sad, when we feel scared, we naturally shrink up. I know when I'm triggered, it's like my first reaction. Actually, it's so funny. My husband and anyone that's known me a long time knows that if I'm wearing a hoodie and my hood goes up, it's like, oh, something's going on. Unless it's a windy day, I'm like at the beach. But really, I'll notice it in myself where something happens and something just slightly triggers me and I pop my collar in my hoodie or my hood goes up and it's like almost my way of like, I got to process this, but everything kind of goes in. And then I almost like recognizing when I'm doing the dishes and my breath is shallow. I'll all of a sudden realize I'm all tucked in and it's like, okay, you don't have to be scared of the world. You're safe. You're okay. And even just on that too, I've been told by chiropractors and body workers that, for me specifically to do my first chiropractor said the just shoot me pose where it was literally arms up, like thumbs up and just, chest out as if i'm like on the edge of a cliff enjoying you know the breeze and he kept saying like we need you to do this because you're really in so it's interesting because again i thought it was a posture problem until i started realizing about trauma and the response and the subconscious but it's neat that that's the opposite that open i'm winning through the finish line is the opposite of that tucked in triggered protected scared victim-y type of energy um that we that we sort of I guess I would say naturally go into when we have unprocessed stuff. So, could you talk about that processing trauma through breath, through posture, through um, that type of that type of therapy and therapeutic um, modalities? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I want to just honor those parts of yourself, and for those listeners out there that experience this, if, of you know, turtling or, or finding finding your shell or finding comfort. And you know, there's so much out there to say there's no growth in comfort. And, and it's it's just BS because there's so much growth in in comfort and and being able to set clear boundaries around your comfort, I think is, is probably where the most growth happens, right? We as humans actually grow most when we are in the ultimate comfort when we're in the womb, floating in amniotic fluid where we feel warm and safe. That's where we go through our biggest development of our entire life and and when we work out you know we're we're tearing muscles but we actually grow when we when we sleep that's that's how we grow and so just honoring that piece of you that that also you know does want to to turtle and and feel safe that there's nothing wrong with that the problem becomes when we stay in that state when we get trapped right and so part of repatterning the nervous system Part of processing trauma, which is, which is unprocessed emotion, is, is repatterning that, and, and sleep and safety is, is a big part of it. And so what we do is we actually take people through the system of what we call neuroplasticity to repattern their breath, repattern their experience. So, for example, if um, someone might have experienced a, we can stick with the example of a heartbreak, and we see that that's happened what we're going to want to do is we're actually going to want to stimulate them in a way that re-stimulates that traumatic event. And so they actually have to, in some degree, feel like they're living through that event again. And what happens in traumatic events is our breath changes, right? So our breath actually accelerates to release things like acetylcholine, norepinephrine, which is a, adrenaline. Um, so we, norepinephrine is, is adrenaline. So I think we all know what that feels like. It's like activating. Um, and then acetylcholine is the, the hormone that is related to, to focus. And so when we're experiencing a traumatic event, we want both of those things and it, it serves a really great purpose. When we're re-simulating that, for example, in a breathwork treatment, what we would do is have people come in, breathe really heavily to activate that state. And by the way, don't try to do this on your own, please. Um, Use a facilitator, use someone who's highly trained in supporting trauma work. Um, But what we're doing is we're activating this state and our body doesn't know the difference between the the traumatic event and and the nervous system's reaction to this, this highly intensive breath in that moment we might experience emotion we might experience sensation we might experience you know something really big happening that's when we would create a shift so the, there's the acceleration of the nervous system upregulation, same as it would be in traumatic event we hit a tipping point and we change something there so we might invite the breath into the heart that can feel really big so that's the the integration piece And after we do that, we have to let the body know that it feels safe in that space. And this is the system of neuroplasticity, by the way. So three parts. One is the acceleration, the integration, the change, and then there's deep rest. And deep rest simulates the nervous system, oh, it's okay, I'm safe. And you can continue to breathe into that space. So we like to use the acronym AIR, as in acceleration or arousal, integration, and rest. And that deep rest is really the key piece. If you're working with a breath worker who is, is just working to have uh, a big experience, we can actually end up re-traumatizing people because they might get left in that without knowing it's actually safe. And you know, psychologically, they might know that they're safe, but they might not understand what's happening with their body, their nervous system that controls all these other functions within their body. And so paying attention to, to that arc of sorts of neuroplasticity helps us repattern the way that we experience trauma, the way that we experience life. Now, at the same time, the different areas that we're breathing into in the body simulate different feelings and emotions. We talked about about breathing down low and helping us feel safe. We talked about breathing into the heart. We know that that feels at times vulnerable, but also has the opportunity to feel really joyous and, and loving. If we're releasing things like oxytocin. Um, Some other places that we can breathe into are things like the adrenal glands. So we can actually stimulate adrenaline. We we know what that feels like. And so just paying attention to the way that I'm breathing actually is is changing my neuroendocrinology, right? So pressing on particular glands creates different effects within my brain chemistry can be really, really powerful. And understanding the body and the system in being able to change your breath to change the particular state that you're in.
1: Wow, that's that's incredible and so powerful. It really feels like I hate using like hack because it's so trendy, but it really does feel I like love, a way I love like, the word hack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it really does feel like a way that we can truly heal from these things. Cause I think a lot of people, even seekers, hardcore, you know, people that are energetic and making big moves in their life and really aware of their energy. It's this disempowerment of like, but how do I heal that thing? And, you know, my, journey has always been internal, a lot of, I mean, I've had external traumas, but it's been a rich inner world being in (laughs) Talia's mind. Um, But I see a lot of clients that have had very physical abuse, sexual trauma, really scary things happen to them, even when they were children or teenagers, and they just did not have the tools to deal with it. And it's, I see this feeling of like, I'm scared to go back there, but I can't move forward in my life. And will I ever heal this? It's kind of like, well, this is my path. I guess I'm damaged goods. And, you know, I, I know that there's always a way to heal. You know, there's, there's modalities out there that people have been doing for, you know, centuries way before all the prescription drugs that'll like mask your, this and fix your that. And there's real, real deep ways to heal. And this sounds like such a profound organic way, cause it's your breath. And I really like to look at breath and You know, bring people aware that when you bring space into your body, space is source. The space between things is source. We are more space than we are physical matter. That is the bigger part of us is the energy is the space. So bringing space into our body with breath, I look at it like bringing source into your life and into your body. And beyond that, like you're saying, the neuroplasticity, the reprogramming of those traumas, feeling them going back through feeling and then interrupting that pattern or shifting that that pattern into something new, it just feels like every single person could do this and benefit huge from this. It doesn't, it's your breath, right? And it's being facilitated in an intentional way that takes you through this process to reprogram. It just feels like that's it. (laughs) You could probably heal anything you've been through with your willingness and the right facilitator through something this powerful. Mm -hmm
0: yeah thank you and what you're speaking so beautifully to is is not only the power to heal but also the power to to be resilient to life Mm -hmm. and we can ultimately handle any of life's challenges if we're able to pause and breathe first right because the moment we actually stop breathing well we won't have to worry about life's challenges anymore Mm -hmm. and so the key is when life's challenges come at you the bigger that they are the bigger the breath we have to have the ability to take our lungs are really, really incredible in their level and uh, ability to expand. So, your lungs, for example, can expand, you know, three, four times their their current capacity, and that capacity has a direct correlation to your capacity for life.
1: Mm. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's beautiful. So are there things that, I mean, as you said, definitely recommending having a good breathwork facilitator, people, you know, to go find you and work with you, your clinic or someone that is, you know, on this path of of the type of modalities you do, but is there anything that the average person can start bringing into their life as they do explore this stuff for breath? Like, I'm just kind of thinking, starting out your day before you start reacting, even just as your feet hit the floor, as you're getting out of bed, taking just a couple cleansing breaths. I know the power of intention, the power of finding source, centering in, anchoring in. Are there things like that that you recommend for people for sort of maintenance and to set their days up to recalibrate through the day um, that people can do at home?
0: Mm -hmm. yeah one of the the biggest pieces is is being present and and what i mean by that is is allowing for the now to enter into you and to leave you and then to come back to now and and i'll break that down in in like actual terms because that that's like a a bit heady. what i mean by that is to practice continuing breathing so a connected breath where there's no pause at the top or the bottom is allowing life energy prana qi to flow into you and out to you constantly and those moments when you're holding your breath are typically a fear response right it's typically when when actually trauma happens right if if something big happens maybe there's a loud noise over there my response is or if it's this is me just continuing to breathe right? There's a difference in my nervous system. And so without discrediting anyone's traumatic events, it's not the the event itself, but it's our reaction to it. And if we can continue to be with life, continue to circulate, I like to to picture the infinity symbol, but continuing to circulate life and allowing breath to enter and leave continuously, we can stick with that. Well, we can really be present.
1: Mm. That's powerful. It's, it's so cool. And and I love that you're sharing so much. And I know the people listening are just like instantly getting so much from this because I know I am and I, um, I in my body have dealt with body pain in various ways um, for most of my life. And I find when my pain is the worst, I'll say, I mean, there's always the energetic component that I'm aware of. And for me, it started in my back, which is me feeling deeply unsupported in my life when I was a kid carrying that through. So I notice when my back flares up, my body starts hurting. It's this, I've been triggered into being like, I'm alone. Nobody cares. I'm unsupported lack in some way. So I'm aware of that energetic component, but the physical aspect of it, sometimes I find, which is why I need to come to you. I find that I'm like, what do I do here? Like I can say in my mind, you are supported, you are loved, you are safe, you're good. But it always feels like there's this slight piece missing. So lately what I've been noticing is when I'm in pain, I become aware that I'm really shallow breathing and guarding and protecting, you know, if it's my neck or my hips or my back or whatever's going on. Um, and I've been really making intention to deep like breathe as deep as I can. And it was that backing on that thing I was sharing that I learned about, like, that's the way your body knows you're safe. If you can take a deep breath, it signals a certain level of safety. Um, and so I try to do that and I, and say like, I support you. I love you. I trust you and bring that breath. And I'm not, it's just interesting. Cause that's just kind of been a lately thing where I recognize that. And I feel if, if sort of, if nothing else, this sense of calm rush over me. Like I am not the pain. I am not the victim of the pain. I'm sitting with my pain. I'm aware of it going on, but I also have control of my level of safety, which before I recognized that it was just like, I'm in pain and no one gets it. And I'm alone and this sucks. Right. Whereas I can kind of separate and go, I am safe and bring that breath to it. So just like the things you're saying, I'm like, ooh, that's why I've been doing that. And that's why it's felt so profound. I know I'm just scratching the surface, but that is so powerful. Um, so a question then, because I do see a lot of people highly sensitive people, empaths storing shit in their body, traumas, the energy of the day, that person's reaction, that thing they did or didn't do when we have pain in our body, do you recommend then that circle breathing? In addition to, of course, like deep diving into the work you do, but in that moment, bringing breath to it, sending it to the place of pain or something like that, what do you kind of recommend for that?
0: yeah certainly so what you're speaking to so beautifully is the the top down process versus a bottom up and so when i say that i mean top down is kind of your typical talk therapy approach where you're using the mind to try to change your behavior what we do in a bottom up approach would would be anything that is body work related or breath work or nervous system related is we're actually using the body and the breath to get out of the way of the mind And the way that the body works is 80% of our neurons are sensory neurons, meaning information coming into the body up to the brain, and only 20% are motor neurons. So from the brain going back into the body. And for a long time, our way of dealing with psychological issues has been things like talk therapy, classic is like CBD, like cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is important and it works to some degree. Uh, And, you know, using things like mantras or affirmations can be really useful as well to program the mind to change the body and change our behavior. But for me, there's just a piece missing. There needs to be both a bottom up and a top down approach. And so, you know, we can talk a little bit about pain in the body, but pain is an interesting thing. Pain, pain is, uh, you know, subjective to what we, you know, pain doesn't equal suffering, essentially, right? So we can experience sensation in the body, and then we make meaning of it based upon what's going on up up, up top. And So for me, there just, there has to be both a, a bottom-up and a top-down process um, for, for, for any kind of healing. Um, and I think seldom do we give ourselves the opportunity to to really feel the sensation as opposed to uh, think our way through it. And it's like such a common thing is, you know, we might find ourselves overthinking at times and we try to think our way out of overthinking, which just is subject to more thought. And it, it, it doesn't actually make sense if you look at the equation that way. What is really powerful is finding out and making the distinction that we can't think and feel at the same time. OK, so I'm going to say that again. So we can't think and feel at the same time. Hmm. You can think about feeling, but you can't actually feel. So one of the things that I, I might get people to do to just understand this concept of getting out of their heads and, and actually into their body is to feel their feet. You know, Maybe feel their big toe is, is the furthest that neurons have to travel from the brain. And when you feel the sensations, so you might feel your weight, your temperature, your your texture, uh, you might feel the the skin, or you might feel the bone, and just really feeling that for a moment can feel like a a real human experience and take you out of thought, which is really, really powerful because oftentimes we try to think our way out of overthinking and and we just end up in this vicious cycle. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of ranting here a little bit, but I'm not sure if that answered your question originally. I don't don't remember the original question.
1: Totally. Yeah. I was just talking about when I'm in pain, instead of like, you're safe, you're good kind of sending the breath there and what people can do, but that totally that's, I love that because I love, um, like the same brain that created the problem. Isn't the same brain that can offer the solution, right? Like Mm -hmm. while we're still in the brain, It just, there's only so much we can do, which is when we need to access other places like spirit, body, like getting out of just the same old patterns that we have. Um, And I love that because there is this, this part, and maybe you see this too, is like, as people are sort of more awakening to possibility, awakening to their power. The default is to still use the brain. And like you said, to mantra, to affirmation, your way out of it. And I like to say, like sitting there saying, I am a millionaire, never got someone a million (laughs) dollars. That's not what does it. It's good. And I use mantras and affirmations when something has deeply clicked and I need to remind myself of that big breakthrough I had. And I went, whoa, then I'll create like a mantra affirmation with something really short that reminds me of that thing. That's already clicked. I don't try to reach my way into a new thought with an affirmation, because I find if I'm like, I am not in pain, first of all, the operative word is pain. So my body hears that, but also my body goes, yeah, you are. It's like, I'm not in pain. Yeah, you are. And that that's not going to get me anywhere. Um, so I love that you can't think and feel feel at the same time. So if I was, or anyone listening was in a moment of, you know, I've seen chronic pain coming up a lot in people. Um, how do we get out of then get more into feeling and out of the mind in that moment where we all of a sudden catch ourselves in, you know, panic or pain or reaction when we're all contracted and we want to move the energy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 80 to 90% of pain, particularly chronic pain, is just a lack of blood flow to that area. And so when we look at chronic pain, that means something that's ongoing, um, you know, even the biggest bone in the body, like the femur, it heals in, in, a, in a few months, like two months maximum for it to heal. And if, if we look at something that's chronic pain, there, there must be something that is is beyond just like it's regular it's stopping it from healing. So maybe it's it's a physical, mental, emotional, traumatic event, maybe it's it's just unprocessed emotion to some degree. What's going to be really impactful for those people that are experiencing chronic pain is to have nurturing sent to that area. So to really be held in the same way that we would in in utero, and this is like a, a trauma-informed technique instead of pressing down on it, you know, getting massage into it, like that can stimulate blood flow really short term, but it doesn't actually make any changes to the body. And so what we would want to do is we would want to actually facilitate something similar to being in the womb in floating in amniotic fluid. And that might be a lifting something like cranial sacral therapy is, is incredible for this because it it really facilitates a, a lifting action. And then there's not actually much happening in terms of movement it's really really subtle and that allows the body itself to reorganize itself in a way that it feels safe in doing so so it's the it's the same thing with with our breath is we're, we're always wanting to create safety in the body now from that place of safety from that place that that feels really nourishing like the womb you know you're, you're floating without gravity and you're, you're nurtured that same quality of touch facilitates healing. So we can also think of it as, as like a motherly touch. And by the way, you can give this to yourself, right? You can give your yourself a motherly touch. And especially right now with all the separations happening, really important that we have a quality of touch that feels really good to us, uh, that that produces oxytocin when you have that, that motherly touch. And you can just do this by, you know, just running your finger up and down your hand and your wrist just feeling the sensation of that that starts to produce life it touches the one sense that if if we don't have we die die and and right now most of us are living in a touch deprived society so giving yourself a level of conscious loving motherly touch will facilitate a healing experience especially for something that's been chronic um And then, of course, you can introduce things like movement that feel in integrity, not trying to take yourself to to maximums, not trying to find your your range of motion, but just feeling, you know, without cracking, without pain, what is your range of motion? It might be much, much smaller than originally anticipated um, or, or then you used to have, and what you want to do is from that safe space of movement, work your way out gradually, but, but really it comes down to having that feminine quality of, of nurturing within the quality of, of touch and care that, that you're giving to, to yourself or, or to others, if, if you're facilitating this for someone else.
1: That's so beautiful. I really, that resonates really deep. Um, also I think when we're in pain, we, a lot of people tend to just get like hard and guarded and kind of like, Oh, this this sucks. And it's like the opposite of like, we got you and, and, and you're enough. And I, that's just, those are just words, but you're saying in touch in energy, like bringing in truly being held is what I heard. And I've been in body work sessions before with different people where exactly like you're saying, like they're either holding like my skull or, um, you know, something like that. And my body without them doing anything, it, I just hear like little clicks and little, ah, uh, and like space opening up. Or sometimes when I just get into a position where my body's really supported with like pillows or whatever I'm doing, and I can just let go of everything else, I feel the shifts and the movement versus the, you know, maybe like a chiropractor kind of going in hard with like one big crack, you know? And I, I found that that doesn't, heal my body long-term that actual surrender and being held is what my body's craving versus one big thing that's going to put my neck back it's like i'm a complex being and i find that that's it does it just i'll put it out again somehow because there's that response that those actions going on over and over or whatever it is bringing me back to that state of of pain of trauma of whatever um so i just i deeply resonate with that it's it's so beautiful Um, i'm curious as well about release so this is something personally that's been coming up in my life where i've realized that as i process things i need more release it's been so obvious where i've been going out you know on runs or intuitive dancing breathing. I've been kind of finding sometimes as things come up, I want to just like shake it out. And I've been encouraging clients to like move in the way that your emotion wants to be moved through. How does this frustration want to express itself so I can let it go? Because again, we tend to go in our heads or I'll say me. And I see this with clients. It's like, no, it's okay. Oh, it's just a response, but it's all still in the head. So I've been finding movement as a beautiful way. It's eleven eleven, by the way, uh, a beautiful way to release what I've held on to, Cause I think sometimes I'd love to hear your opinion on this or your take on it. Sometimes we process stuff, but then it's not being released and it's still floating around more likely to kind of attach itself back into a programming or a habit or a pattern. Um, so I'd love to just hear anything you have to say about that and releasing through movement in the body.
0: Yeah. Thank you and for me it all comes down to safety so feeling safe to be able to do that is when you know what happens throughout the day or throughout our lives when we experience traumatic events or even little stressors you know it doesn't have to be this big traumatic event it can be someone uh, saying to you you're you're not a great singer that can that can can really be stored within within your nervous system and and where we would store that is typically in the throat you can actually see people who have been told that before feel less inclined to have a neuronal pathway that goes to their vocal cords to speak right and so we actually it's it's actually harder for us to access speaking harder for us to access and we can see this in the breath our, our breath is just moving vocal cords it's, it's part of our diaphragm right it's it's one of the diaphragms that assists breathing and so we can see that when when someone's told something like that they can really hold on to that and and that that holding is either fight flight or freeze right so it's it's either tension of some sort or a numbing of some sort or a retracting of some sort and what happens in safety is we 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 unthaw or we thaw rather and so so there's the the freeze response is is most typical and we can actually feel that part of our body come online really beautiful experience can be noticing those parts of your body that that you are holding right and and so often we we forget about like the muscles in our cranium our head and our skull so something that can be really nice that someone can even try right now is relaxing their temporal bone and just notice what that's like and notice if if you're holding space there it's a space that we don't typically think about and just noticing what it's like to just feel safe to do that and that the downward cascade of effect that that has on your whole system. Really all of this comes down to safety. So we want to feel safe to feel that release. Um, anytime that we don't feel safe, we go into our heads. Right. And I would say anytime that we're in our heads, we're scanning for safety. Mm. And so our, our brain is really good. Our nervous system is, is really, really good. It's, it's the best device, on the planet for keeping us safe. And it's done a really great job at that. Most of our life we don't need to be scanning for safety. Most of our life we're 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 safe. And then we can experience the, the deliciousness that comes with being human, with being in our body as opposed to our heads. But anytime we don't feel safe, we, we revert back up to thought, right? Coming down to our body typically happens when we experience unfortunately pain or discomfort that that will get you into your body really quickly mm. and what i encourage for people is to notice all of the deliciousness that comes in association with being in your body and again that might be con- conscious touch it might be sexual arousal it might be swimming in warm water it might be it might be just you know simply touching yourself or singing can be really vibratory, you can feel that it feels good. And your body is allowed to feel good. Mm. So relating back to the body in in a sense of safety can feel good. And more often than not, that's when we feel, you you know, quote, unquote, the the, the release.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yes, totally. Totally. Just in my mind, flashing to when I do feel that release there there is a sense of safety that comes first. Like Mm -hmm. I have allowed myself to do this, or this is the time I'm worth that, or, you know, I'm ready to. It's not just in the moment of panic. It's actually a conscious thing that I create to be like, you're worth this. We don't need to hold on to it anymore. And so like going for a run, back in the day when it was for fitness or this many calories, or cause I have to versus I'm going to go move my body. Cause I love myself and I'm worth that release. And it's going to feel so yummy. And I, it's a good way to alchemize the stressors of the day or the week or whatever, just anything from love is such a different experience. And I'm so present. And I notice like every, you know, every sort of, pounding of my feet, it creates a beat and I'll like hear beautiful things as I'm running or I'm like every beat I'm releasing, I'm releasing, shake it off, you know, lower vibrations or whatever it is moving, alchemizing emotion. It's just so different and I'm present in it and it comes from this safety from this like I am worth this. this feels good. I don't this doesn't resonate with me with me anymore or I don't want to I don't need to hold on to this. such a different thing than like how do I release or just doing something not present, not conscious in it. Um, oh, it's so powerful. I love all this. And by
0: the way, the release is not in a book somewhere, or even in this podcast, the release is happening in your environment, right? We talk about like Bruce Lipton talks about like the the cell in the petri dish. It actually takes form of its environment rather than like with the tweezers, like trying to change it or anything. It it takes form in its environment. We are sensory beings, right? 80% are sensory neurons. And so Creating that safety, that opportunity for release doesn't happen from like forcing it or like or like trying to change thought. It comes from having an environment around you that feels safe and supportive. And it's it's not in the book, but it's it's on the, the couch and the cushions and the blankets and the fire that you have while reading that book. So considering if there is something that you need to release, setting yourself up in an environment, that's why running feels so good, right? It's like running on the treadmill is not the same as running outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so setting your environment up in a way that's really supportive to that will have a, an effect on the way that you live your life and the way that you actually can feel contracted or expanded, right? That's, that's to me what consciousness is is our ability to inform
1: our environment, which is then
0: informing us. Oh, this
1: is good shit right here. This is like, that's the truth. That is so it's, it's, I love to Bruce Lipton and the biology of belief, like changed my life and that whole Petri dish part. And really, truly, and this is Joe Dispenza talks about this too. When you're talking about neuroplasticity and like your environment is what shifts you not you shifting your environment um I mean we do shift our environment but that's from the conscious shift that happens within or the energetic shift and it's funny because sometimes um depending on what I'm teaching or how I'm helping someone this comes up often in group programs or something where I will encourage people for a whole week to maximize their pleasure and I'll say like if you're sitting at your computer get your comfiest hoodie get a nice warm cup of tea put the slippers on get aromatherapy Therapy, like amp it up, right? If you're having a meal, get some really beautiful raw veggies or a really colorful salad or Whatever it is for you that like amplifies the pleasure, if you're sitting with your lover, like touching them versus just sitting beside them, or giving each other massages, or like there's there's things we can do. Your favorite music, your favorite sense, you know. And I I really look for that in my life when I'm like I'm gonna go to the beach. I'm like okay, how can I make this even more beautiful? And I'll be like I'll bundle up or I'll get whatever it is that makes it feel. Bring my journal. I'll bring meditation music. Or usually not when I'm in nature. I like to just be with nature, but amping it up, like how can we be more and more filled with pleasure? And I I see that the back end as creating more joy, creating more good feelings, creating more safety in your life to show you that I, first of all, am in control of how I feel and I can amp up this experience at any time, but also the senses. There's something with the senses when I'll say like, try to bring in smells and tastes and fabrics, like, especially for my empath students and clients like the fabrics you wear that shifts your vibe and has you feel like to me in polyester, I do not feel safe in polyester. (laughs) I feel just, nope, I've got like the, it just doesn't feel good, but cottons or bamboo or whatever, right. For me are more pleasure filled. So it's just interesting kind of connecting those dots that it is also about creating an environment of safety, especially while you're healing. And while, I mean, I think we're always healing, you know, to, to really amp that up as like a starting point, because you could like do circle breath or do, you know, XYZ type. But if you're in an environment, you don't feel safe and you're in that patterning. And it's just a thing you're checking off a list. That's not where it's at. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're being while you're doing it. So I just love, it's just neat because some of the things that I teach is like exactly what you're saying, but in your style and how that pertains to the breath and to bliss and safety. Um, it's just so powerful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to touch on? I want to hear as well like how we can work with you reach out. Is it in your clinic um in person? Do you do online stuff? Also just if there's anything left that you feel my audience needs to hear today
0: yeah all of those things i mean if you want to work with me you can reach out into the clinic Um, feelhealthspa.com is our website you can find me on socials it's feel.health on instagram Um, we have some online programs coming up we do retreats all the time Um, we'll have a breathwork facilitators training coming up so if this is something that interests you and you want to become a breathwork facilitator feel free to uh, send us a message about that um but really, the the piece that I want to leave is just that you check in with yourself and give yourself safety. You are responsible for you, and if we live in a world where everyone is responsible for themselves, for that one person, that's really an empowering world that that I want to live in. And it sounds like a lot of responsibility, but it's also really, really empowering. So. Um, Ultimately, you get to decide how you want to feel. And if you take a deep breath, you clear yourself, you can speak from that place of clarity and choose in every single moment how you want to feel.
1: Mm, I love that. It's interesting how you think. You know, without realizing it, I guess it would be subconsciously before a big thing, we take a deep breath, like before you're right about to go on stage or have a difficult conversation or something, we intuitively take a deep breath. I know when I'm doing like cold water plunges before I even get in, I'm like prepping myself through my breath, not just because like Wim Hof told me to, but actually without even realizing it, I'm like, okay, we got this, you know? So it's interesting how. That technique and our breath is calling us all the time, but how it feels is that we get locked into, like you're saying, the unprocessed emotion that tends to override, but we know what to do deep down. I feel like we know that breath is so important and, um, connects us. You know, the nervous system is asking to be safe and trying to guide us there, but our mind probably is the thing and our unprocessed emotion overriding that. So I love how, simple and real. You make it tangible yet so powerful and energetic as well. It's just so powerful. So thank you so much for doing what you're doing and leaving this impact in the world and the people you help. Cause it really looks like it's night and day. I'm sure working with you processing these things, coming back home to the body, you know, rapidly changing your life through these tools. And, you know, on the spiritual side and the manifestation side, like when you can be that person who feels safe, who is at home in their body, who is in the present moment and accessing that bliss, that's also where, you know, that dream life is going to come from, or those things that are meant for you, the book you're trying to write or the money you want to make the impact in the world you want to make. It's going to come from you being that person who's processing and feeling at home and in this moment. So thank you so much for doing what you do. I'm so honored that we got to connect and that you exist. I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being such a sweet soul in the world and, and for being so connected through, through Leanne, my partner, it's, it's been such a pleasure to be on the show and to, to continue to get to know you. Thank you for the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I want you to take a second to take a breath with me and embody everything you just heard. Take one deep breath in and let it all go. One more deep breath in and let it all go. Thank you for being a seeker. Thank you for tuning into the show. It's an honor to serve you and I'll see you in the next episode.